This is the Fatherhood Unlocked podcast, and my name is Dan Doty. I'm a father of three, an outdoorsman, and a meditator, and supporting dads to be the best version of themselves is my highest calling. Fatherhood is the biggest rite of passage in a man's life. It's our biggest opportunity to grow up, to wake up, and to learn who we actually are. I believe that a father's love is the biggest missing vitamin on the planet. This podcast is intended to be a lightning rod to call men to action, to create community, and to set a new tone and standard for what fatherhood means. Welcome to Fatherhood Unlocked. Reese Peluso is a father of two and the co-founder of Our Breath Collective and a breathwork teacher and instructor based in California. He is on the podcast this episode uh, to talk about fatherhood and the context of breathwork. And what I'm really excited about here is that this this gets tactical. You know, uh, this podcast so far has probably veered more into the philosophical, the existential, the underbelly of fatherhood. And not, not that we don't touch into that at all on this episode, but it does strike me that having actual, tangible shit to do, things to work on, practices, just things to actually help us in the context, in the in the midst, the actual action of parenting is really critical and really helpful. One of the things that comes out in this podcast really quickly and clearly is that, you know, as a father we may have all of these ideals of how we're supposed to show up and how we're supposed to get ourselves to show up in certain ways. So, you know, I would say if I wanted to be my absolute, have my best game, I should probably meditate. I should go to the gym daily or close to daily. I should see a therapist. Maybe I have a men's group. Uh, you know, maybe I have a business coach, you know, just spend enough time in nature, eat the right foods, all of the things, all of the things that people are so obsessed about doing right in order to, if there is an in order to, in order to parent better, in order to be more present, in order to be more healthy, all of these things. To be totally honest with you, I'm pretty tired of the fucking uh, hamster wheel right now and all of the things and all the ideals put out there. But at the end of the day, part of my personal ethos and the ethos of this show is we do want to put in the work. We want to show up, right? We want to do what we can to make the most of this time with our kids, to make the most of our lives and all of that. The point I'm getting to in all of this is that breath work and our awareness of our breath, our awareness of how our nervous system impacts ourselves and our families, how our nervous system is impacted by our breath seems to me like possibly one of the most effective and important tools that we can learn and we could learn to master. So that's where Reese comes in and that's where this conversation comes in. You know, one of the things that dads often ask me about or or the things they're most concerned about, one of them is their propensity to fly off the handle, their anger, their outbursts, their temper, basically. Why can't I keep my shit together when my kid does X, right? That's a pretty constant thing in conversations between fathers for good reason, because it happens all the time. It happens here. It happens probably in most every house. Now there's a deeper conversation we can have there about, you know, what's the damage of anger 
Is there a damage of anger? You know, what's the benefit? Is there a benefit? But notwithstanding, there are a lot of dads right now that one of their highest priorities in fatherhood would be, how do I not react so damn hot? How do I not react so fast? How do I catch myself? So your awareness of yourself, your awareness of your feelings, your awareness of your breath all have are all some of the dials that you can move around in order to be more responsive and less reactive. So with that, a little bit more about Reese. You can see him at OBC or Our Breath Collective. Um, you can find them and his work there. He also has a website, reesepeluso.com. And the last thing I just want to say before before I uh, hit you with a couple ads and then we get into our conversation is a little bit more of my own trip. And I just want to insert this in here. And, I, and I'm pretty sure it came out in the conversation as well. But I have a growing sort of rock in my shoe or pee under the the bed or, you know, just this nagging issue happening in my world, which is that I am so tired of personal growth divorced from our real life. And I might just be on a trip here, but my sense is that there's so much obsession right now of all of the things that that we're supposed to do. And social media is is definitely exacerbating this, exaggerating this, making this so strong and so hard to ignore. But there is a sense that people are striving for pretty insane ideals across the board. I don't have an issue with any of it. You know, for example, you know, breath work, the Wim Hof method, and ice baths. I I may spend a fair amount of time poking fun at everybody who who goes and sits in ice. Um, and I actually really like it. I enjoy it. I, I think it's fantastic, and I think it has a lot of benefits. But my question is always, to what end? Like, what is that actually doing for you? And if you're clear on that, fucking great, right? Great. But is that the end all? Is that the point? And maybe the point's just to feel better. And if that's true, fucking right on, right? My uh, somewhat narrow perspective is that um, we we have all this life to live too, right? All of these important things, all of all of the things that actually are the real, are the capital lowercase, they're the lowercase L life, right? So that's a little bit more my perspective. I just feel so strongly that anything we're spending all that time and energy on shouldn't be some little bubble of fairyland personal growth and should be part of life, should help us in our actual lives and help others in our actual lives. Okay, and i tell you about a few things before we get going. So the first is that we have a free class this week. It is called The Masculine Dad. It's happening this Thursday, and if you're listening to this in the future, it's happened in the past, so too bad. <laughs> the date is June 8th. It's happening at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, or Eastern fucking daily time, Eastern whatever time, so that's noon Pacific. And this is a free class. It's an hour long, and really what we're getting into is another one of the sort of rocks in my shoe lately, which is that uh, much of my profession in life has been spent softening men up, getting their hearts open, helping them feel and all that. 
And I'm just finding that the opposite end is just so needed as well. And so many men are immobilized. So many men are stuck and cut off from their life source and their vigor and their power. And fuck, what's a, you know, I think it's, it's good to have a bunch of feeling men, um, but it's only, it's only part of the coin. So, so this class is specifically about fatherhood and how to animate and stand up and take steps and not be so fucking stuck. That's what this is about. And then one last thing I get to announce, uh, and I'm excited to do this, another cohort of Fatherhood Ready uh, with my colleague and close friend Aaron Blaine in the driver's seat as the facilitator and teacher. This one's going to start on July 12th, 2023. This is a 10-week cohort for up to 12 men who are just strapping into the rocket ship of what fatherhood means. So this maybe you're becoming a dad, maybe you're expecting, maybe you're attempting to have a kid, or maybe you just had one. But anyway, you're at the beginning, you're at the starting line. Fatherhood Ready is a course that goes into so many aspects. It is sort of it is the training that uh, I don't see out there anywhere. Topics that are covered in depth are the loss of identity, mentorship and community, emotional intelligence, pregnancy and birth, caring for mom, family, family finances, childhood development family values, vows, and commitments. It is a full, deep, and broad sort of expedition and exploration of the transition of being a dude who's not a dad to being a dad. That's what this is about. And this will be the third cohort. Things are, we're getting rave reviews. I'm super excited about this. I have a vision for this expanding so that there's chapters of dads all over the country and the world who are doing this course and giving this course and teaching these classes just to give men uh, a chance and it, like a, a fighting chance or, or sort of a boost at the beginning of this incredibly important journey to know what's up, to have a sense of yourself and to kind of get a sense of what's coming. So fatherhood ready starts July 12th. You can find that at dandoty.com slash fatherhood ready. All right, here's my conversation with Reese Peluso. All right, so we get to just uh, drop right into conversation, Reese. Um, super excited to have you here, man. It's uh, it's been a while since we chatted. It's good to see your face. Yeah, likewise. It's an honor to be here and stoked to chat and catch up. Um, well, today we're going to talk uh, probably about a handful of things, and uh, but maybe primarily breath and fatherhood, and that's uh even as I say that breath and fatherhood, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense to people. I don't know if that lands, it, it lands to me, but maybe by the end of the, uh, of this time, it'll, it'll, it'll mean something or it'll, it'll stick. Um, but Reese, I'll have intro to you already, but why don't you ah, give us an intro to your life as a father and what you do in the world and, and what you really care about, man. Yeah. I am a father of two young girls, 11 and seven Lennox and Sinclair. Um, and my my other sort of duty in, in this world is teaching people about breathing. Um, I started an online platform called Our Breath Collective uh, that's really focused on experience and education. I think one leads into the other. Uh, that you know, breath is obviously becoming a more and more uh, popular and important conversation, and so the curiosity is there and. So we try to provide experiences for people to have that then creates the curiosity to want to learn more. And then we back it with 
the educational side of things. Um, you know, my, my journey into breath really kind of started as a father. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. when I, uh, when I had my first daughter, I was in the midst of a couple startup businesses that I had. I had a digital marketing agency and I also had started an organic sunscreen company and I was really struggling with maintaining any semblance of sanity. <laughs> getting your ass kicked. Uh, getting my ass kicked. Yeah. And, um, I never really had any tools or anything to kind of utilize other than surfing. That was kind of my, my main thing of like, okay, when I go surf, disconnect, get in the water, rinse it all off, move my body. And as the responsibilities increase, then the surf time decreased and was just finding myself like really on the roller coaster and, and feeling the lows more than the highs. And it was really like, uh, uh, one of those fateful things. I heard a podcast with Wim Hof and was like, what, what's going on with this guy? <laughs> this guy's got some mojo and I want to figure it out. And, um, came home, told my wife about it. And she had just been talking to a friend a couple of days prior about it. And she was like, you should call him. And his name's Luke and he's now my business partner. And so I called him and, uh, he came over and we don't did one breathe together. He had been exploring and teaching breath work for a while. And, and that was it for me. I was hooked. Um, it took me to a place that I, I have never been particularly on just through my own functions. Not on drugs, not on drugs. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and that really just opened the door for me to, to get super curious and, and continue to explore. And, um, you know, I, 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 my path was through the Wim Hof method, but since then has now kind of opened to a greater lens of really looking more at, um, our physiology, our nervous system, the mechanics of breathing, more the functional side of breathing rather than necessarily the therapeutic side. I see a place for both. Mm. Uh, but the more that I've been exploring all of these topics, I'm seeing more and more that the functional side needs to be addressed almost simultaneously or before that kind of more therapeutic, you know, you hear these people having these deep, you know, emotional releases and, and these deep sort of cosmic experiences and, and while those are great, and for me, that was what opened the door. Um, but I think a lot of the things that we're dealing with in life were not ever taught or told about our breath, and that's directly impacting how we feel. Um, so it was like <laughs> <Yeah>. once I <clears throat> once I started cleaning up all that stuff, then I started to feel better. And and you did know, you stop getting your ass kicked? <clears throat> no, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Still, 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 still getting my ass kicked, but I, I feel like I, I can manage it better. Yeah, uh, I can, I can step back from it and, you know, focus a little bit more on some things that will help discharge some of that energy that I have. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that I really am challenged with in a lot of ways is like, I'm highly sensitive and I feel a lot. And, and I didn't really know how to utilize that to my advantage or to yeah. be able to, to process it, um, 
you know, for me, like my way of processing it would be to light up a joint and start smoking weed. And I was habitual smoker for the longest period of time, literally every single day. And, and that I didn't really recognize how that was actually perpetuating the roller coaster. Um, and it wasn't until I got into breathing and getting in an ice bath. And then also I was doing, um, at one point, a lot of parts work IFS, that yep. uh, I was able to really understand these parts of me that were then coming up and, and I couldn't separate myself from that, or I couldn't like come back into yeah. my own yeah. self power to be able to, to work through that. And, um, you know, so once I kind of like started to understand that and it's like, Hey, I don't need to hide from how I feel. Yeah. I need to, I need to like lean into it and actually utilize tools to be able to, to move through it and, you know, so charge and yeah, I'm so appreciative of you starting with, with that touch point and that story and your background story, right? It's, I think it's, uh, it's a version of the story that prompted this podcast to be in, in, in existence, right? So like that, uh, and I joke, right? I'm, I'm making light of it, of, of getting our asses kicked as, as parents, <laughs> as dads, right? But it's real, and yeah. it doesn't feel funny usually, you know. Um, I think we can reflect on it on it in a in a humorous way. But so, so just to mark that right, and 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 reflect what you said that you know you became a, a dad, and uh, and this is what happens generally is that you know because of the because of many reasons probably, but because of the increased sort of responsibility and really just the shift in life paradigm um our necessity to kind of work with our emotions our trauma our baggage have our shit together take care of ourselves goes it ramps up and the amount of time that we have to do it decreases dr- drastically right and so yeah. it's it's a it's a crucible is what it is it's it's like really a crucible and um you know, besides just, you know, really enjoying to talk to you. And I I really was excited for this conversation specifically because um, I'll just, I'll rant for a second here and then we'll, we'll get back into it. But we just did a big survey at Fatherhood Unlocked and we asked a bunch of our, uh, our people to just share like what's going on in dad land. Like what's, what's hard, what's easy, what's going well, what's not going well. And the number one consistent theme that came out of out of the surveys was this thing that we just described, which is I have to go to work and kick ass. I am need to go home and be connected to my children. I need to be a good partner to my partner. I need to also maybe take care of myself. And it's it's a panicked feeling of what the fuck, right? It's it's like <laughs> it's it's literally the emails, the way it's written, it's just like, I don't fucking know how to do this, you know. And I mean, I've been asking and interviewing a lot of parents of older kids and everyone reassures me and us that maybe it will get a little chiller, right? And and I hope that's true for myself and everybody. But coming back to this conversation, I'm, I'm constantly asking myself, like, what is the minimum viable dose of support that dads could be offered or, you know, it could be brought to them, could be practiced, could be implemented. Um, 
because I think if we all had time for a personal trainer and a therapist and a coach and a, and a man's <laughs> group and all, like we'd be pretty well served, right? It's not real. Most dads are struggling to get a half an hour to, to go for a run or something. So again, my hypothesis here was that maybe breath specifically could be the type of intervention and support that would actually fit for parents, that would actually fit in a dad's life. And uh, that's my long-winded way of saying what I'm really excited to to begin our conversation with here is is how that might work. So pin that for a second. But the first thing I want to ask you is, um, I just had this thought as you were sharing. I'm curious about like a little bit of the history of breath work and in terms of its applications. And then I was thinking about, fuck, Lamaze, right? I mean, that's way past my my moment in life, but I remember my mom talking about it. A type of breathing for birth was that shit breath work. Where did that come from? And I don't know, just anything about the past. Where did this stuff come from, man? Yeah, I don't, I don't know the history of Lamaze, but that is definitely, obviously, a form of breathing. Um, I think potentially that it's a bit outdated. Um, a lot of what I've been studying recently would be very contradictory to that type of breathing, particularly in while in birth. Obviously, in birth, you're trying to dilate and open. And yeah. by doing some of that heavier breathing, we're actually contracting. So it's it was an like interesting. A... <laughs> yeah. Right? So like doing yeah. that type of breathing, we're expelling CO2, which is creating constriction. And huh. so little bit i don't know i haven't done much much you know in-depth research on on breath work in that sense or sorry on in lamaze um but yeah i mean the history goes back thousands of years um i think there's a lot of um uh stories of of breathing and you know sort of the the yoga culture obviously there's there's deep roots in there um i think when we're looking at kind of more of the modern breathwork side of things, I would say in the sixties is really when it kind of started to create, get shape outside of yoga. Uh, Leonard Orr who created uh, rebirthing was really kind of one of the, the more modern Titans of, of breath. And uh, he developed his sort of method in the 60s and then from there it's branched off into some of his sort of uh people that were working with him created their own you know little branches there's transformational breath uh from judith kravitz she was a rebirther uh dan brule another rebirther that has his lineage um and then you know wim hof has been even more of a modern kind of adaptation and has proliferated his brand obviously he's been doing a lot of crazy feats and stunts that have gotten him attention and he's also what i really (coughs) excuse me uh connected to and appreciated was bringing the science in um and and by actually getting studied as he was doing these these things it really opened the door for a lot of people who didn't really resonate with more of that yogic culture or more of kind of the spiritual side of, of breathing. And, and so it sort of bridged that gap. And then now there's, you know, so many different 
brands and methods of breath. And, and, um, so yeah, I mean that there's so much more that we could talk about in that, but, um, you know, now breathing is, is definitely accelerating. I always say breathwork is like where yoga was 20 years ago, but it's the, the rate at which it's, it is accelerating is exponentially faster. And I think part of the reason is we're breathing 600 million yeah. to a billion, billion times in our life. And it's right here, right now, always happening. We don't have to change our clothes. We don't have to go to a gym. We don't have to do anything. All we need to do is focus inward feel our breath and then there's that's the opportunity to then shift and change and i really appreciated what you said about minimum effective dose that is really one of my core principles of of how i teach and some of these larger experiences like holotropic breathing Mm -hmm. or or rebirthing even wim hof even where our nervous systems are at in our modern day 2023 most people cannot handle that. Um, or if they do and they have sort of this big release, there's not necessarily the integration and the support after that yeah. to know, know what to do yeah. next. Yeah. And, and so minimum effective dose, literally sometimes all it takes is one breath. Yeah. You know, it's like that quick pause before you go and react you know, now it's like you take that breath, nervous system settles a little bit, then you can respond. You don't have to necessarily react in, in the way when, you know, your kid drops the drink after you told them not to, not to, you know, put it on the edge of the table, you yep. know, it's going to fall. And so it's like, oh, okay, just one breath. And then I can actually address the situation. You, you know, man, the, you know, what's funny as you're saying that is I think about there's some folk wisdom here, right? In terms, I mean, I remember being a kid and I can hear stories in my head of, you know, take a breath, right? Take a deep breath, right? Like wherever you're going, if you get under stress, just my grandma would say, right? Just take a deep breath. Um, but I guess what I wanted to share here. So I've been, I, I've, I've done breath work for a, for a long time. And I did a lot of yoga pranayama before I even knew the term breath work. And, but recently I've been, um, bringing it to clients, corporate clients and, you know, personal clients and all kinds of things. But actually um, you helped me get in contact with a, a breathwork practitioner in um, Austin this year. And I have been working with a, a, a small group of young men, like adolescents. It's been a lovely gig. And um, so did a, around, a, it was a, you know, two hour maybe two and a half hour Wim Hof breathing and ice session with this awesome guy. I forget his name right now. Maybe you remember, but Samson, Samson. Yeah. Amazing. Shout out to Samson. Amazing session. But so there's a 11, 13 and 16 year old young man here have never done breath work before. <laughs> and I, and I, I'm not exaggerating this, like the, the impact of that first 45 minutes of, of just breath. And even before we got to the sort of in more intense Wim Hof style, uh, Samson brought three different breathing protocols and guided these young men through it. And the level of wonder and like astonishment uh, that these young men showed that as they were learning in real time, that they had some, some capacity to alter how they felt was 
really it was profound reese it was like it was yeah. like really profound it was really beautiful and I, again some of those protocols that he brought in it wasn't you know 30 wild breaths it was it was like it was like i don't know 30 seconds long you know and yeah. so yeah it's been really fun to to bring this to people in the context as a tool right in the context of a tool in in terms in in service of greater sort of change that i'm working on with people so yeah yeah and um i think that there's there's so much variability and variety in which you can breathe and so that's what kind of makes it really fun uh it's also very contradictory to a lot of how we learn is like give me the pill or give me the protocol i want to do it this way and and that's it forever right and what i found is that the more you start breathing your system starts to change and adapt and your nervous system begins to regulate a little bit differently and so the the need to kind of continue to evolve with it is also there as well so that's why i also really appreciate the science and the educational side of it because once you sort of learn those basic principles and learn some of that science then you become the creator of your own protocols and that's really what we're trying to do is like hey we're not here to like create the our own method we're not here to say this is the only way that you should breathe no let's open open the box and and share how all these things connect to our physiology and our nervous system and then you get to go and be creative and and for a lot of people that's super daunting but then once you start doing it it's like wow very empowering and and you know to your point with those boys like they they began to understand like wow if i start breathing in a certain way i can feel entirely different and and that's incredibly empowering that was what like blew me away it was exactly that it was just like holy cow i can feel this way simply by focusing on my breath and breathing a certain way like hmm. dang i don't need anything anymore you know i got it right here yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's, I love that. And and that's one of the things that, that keeps me going is, is really that curiosity and that, that exploration and, and sort of stripping back the idea that we need to do it a certain way. It's like, no, mm -hmm. here's, here's the trailhead. Now you get to go like, you know, make your own map. Yeah, I dig it. I'm with you. I'm also, um, of the mindset that, um, I mean, let's put it in the context of fatherhood, right? So dad, dads who are struggling or could use some extra space or support or whatever, you know, here, here's where we go is, okay, I'm going to go to the gym five times a week or even three times a week. It's like, okay, when the fuck are you going to do that, yeah. man? And it's like, I'm going to start <laughs> meditating, right? That meditation is good for me. So I'm going to meditate, you know, nah, da, 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 20 minutes at a 10, whatever it is. It's like, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, I'm going to completely change. I'm not saying that you don't, people make changes, but the, the capacity to have a tool that is accessible in the midst of life, like literally practically in the moment in the thing is, is really exciting to me. So you made a great segue there. So what are some of like just the underlying basic principles that, um, as parents, I mean, just the, bre just breathing principles, 101, even like the most basic, what, what, what should we be aware of? Yeah, so I 
I like to share four simple things. I think they're really easy to connect to and they're directly connected to our nervous system. So basic nervous system 101, we've got our sympathetic side of our nervous system. That's the fight or flight. Uh, oftentimes has more of a negative connotation. Let's think about it as arousal, right? So arousal increases, we go more sympathetic. Arousal decreases, we go more parasympathetic. That's that rest and digest side of things. So, and arousal is energy generally, not just sexual, just for people. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so, the sympathetic is like alert and, you know, high energy, uh, parasympathetic, more relaxed, resting, chill out. Mm -hmm. And so, our inhale versus our exhale. Our inhale is going to be more sympathetically dominant. Exhale is going to be more parasympathetically dominant. Okay. Then we also have the uh, location of our breath. So breathing into our chest going to be more sympathetic, right? Mm -hmm. Think about high metabolic demand running or high, you know, movement activity. We're, we're ventilating more. We're breathing in our chest, right? Then we think about rest and digest, digestion happening in our stomach. So parasympathetic breathing down into your belly, it's going to be more of that rest and digest. Then we have the speed of our breath faster, the faster we breathe, the more of that charge we're going to get, the slower we breathe, the more relaxed we're going to get. And then the last one is the pathway. So breathing in through our mouth is going to be more sympathetic. We can move more air in and out that typically actually forces shifts the breath up into our chest. And so that's going to be more of that sympathetic side and then breathing through our nose, smaller orifice slows the air, uh, the air coming in and out. It also is pressurized. So it's going to activate more of that diaphragm, more of that belly breath, mm. um, not to mention all the other benefits of breathing through our nose. So there's four simple things that you can utilize those different ingredients, uh, to kind of mix and match based on how you want to go. So it's inhale versus exhale nose versus mouth, belly versus chest, fast versus slow. That's amazing. super simple. Yeah. Super simple. Let, let's touch on, um, I probably shouldn't do this as the host, but I want to, let's touch on the nasal breathing. I know it's been a, in the last couple of years, it's, it's come to, to the forefront of a lot of things. And, um, I actually, I tend part of my bias, which I'm not celebrating is that I tend to like not want to listen to all of the new things, right? And like all, all of like, I just, I'm just like, I don't know, for whatever reason, I kind of reject things. Um, <laughs> however, I started, this is embarrassing, but I started snoring more this year for the first time in my life. Like I just didn't tend to snore very much. And um, so my wife got me some mouth tape to shut my fat mouth at night and to breathe through my nose. It's fucking amazing. It's, yeah. it's truly been an amazing thing. And anyway, nobody really needed or wanted to hear that. But what, what, a, what a briefly about nasal breathing versus mouth? Obviously, you said that nasal can uh, be more, or I'm sorry, uh, parasympathetic in general, but what else is there? Yeah, I mean, you think about our nose, really, it's a primary and only function is for breathing. And we don't, we don't really think about it in that way, right? We're thinking about our nose for smelling. Yeah, that's a form of breathing, but its primary uh, function is for the breath. If you look at your nasal passage, it's about the size of your fist. So as you breathe in through your nose, 
It's also the first line of defense of our immune system. So we have the hair, we've got the mucous membrane, we've got all these turbinates that the breath moves. So it's got incredible filtration. It's also conditioning the air. So whether it's hot or cold out, it's going to actually um, change the temperature of the air. So then as it goes into your lungs, it can be better utilized for that oxygen diffusion. Um, there's also uh, high amounts of uh, nitric oxide produced in the nasal passage. So nitric oxide is known to be a vaso and bronchial dilator. So it's going to open up our vasculature. It's going to open up our lungs. Uh, it's also has some antiviral, antifungal, antimicrobial uh, properties to it. So those are just some basic uh, yeah. functions of the nose. Um, when you think about the mouth, obviously it's a straight shot right in. You're not getting that filtration, uh, particularly while sleeping. If you think about your mouth being open, it's like your jaw is dropping and it's actually restricting the airway. Mm. So by, you know, with the mouth tape, uh, you're obviously closing that pathway and potentially, you know, helping with a little bit of the jaw positioning, although there's some muscular strengthening that needs to happen around your lips and with your tongue to make it even more sound. But, you know, that airway is, is going to be more opened because of that. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, those are just some, some yeah. really simple, basic kind of fundamental, properties of the nose um and you know just we're we're trying to manage energy better right and yeah. so by slowing the air and and actually getting the breath down into the lower part of our lungs we're it's just optimizing that energy creation you know that oxygen and carbon dioxide diffusion mm -hmm. so you know we're, we're trying to trying to use our body and get back to how it was actually designed when you look at a lot of um kind of more primitive cultures they were very focused on um nasal breathing they if a kid if a baby like dropped their jaw they would literally push their jaw up mm -hmm. um i think these were all like intuitive things that were happening mm -hmm. um if you look at their like culturally the, the even their teeth and their facial structure um you know more jaw structure their teeth are straight they never needed braces um, so that's something that that's like an adaptation that's happened through mouth breathing. It's like our face, it's almost like we're in uh, a wax figure in front of, uh, a hot, you know, a fire or something. Our face starts to kind of get elongated. Our jaw drops back. Our nose actually starts to protrude out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So it's changing the facial structure as well. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. As a quick aside, my oldest Duke, um, He's six. He's almost seven. He's got a cold right now. And, and we've been, we've been paying attention to the mouth or, or nose breathing thing. And so last night he woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't breathe through his nose. And uh, I'm like, listen, man, so, you know, we did all the things, right. Got to vaporize. They just did all the things to help him breathe and nothing was really working. And I'm like, listen, man, you're just going to have to let yourself get sleep and, you know, get sleepy and fall asleep. He's, and I, I would feel a little bad, but he's like, no, I'm gonna, I'll, then I'll breathe through my mouth. And mama said it's both, you know? So anyway, we've been on that. Well, and, yeah. yeah. I've had similar experiences with my kids where it's like, they're like, I can't breathe. And I'm like, well, you're just going to have to breathe through your mouth. And they're like, what do you mean? You know, when they're really little, like three or four years, I remember 
being in the room with my daughter at night and she's like, I can't breathe. I'm like, well, you just breathe through your mouth. And, and like, that's not even programmed in, right? Like, they're <laughs> like, what do you mean breathe through my mouth? So that just kind of shows like, you know, yeah. I think it's around like five to six years old, kids start to then pick up these more mm. dysfunctional habits through life experience, more life experience that they've had. And also from watching people. So we're built it's built in to breathe a certain way. And then we just started going off yeah. the rails after a while. Well, good. So perfect. So uh, with the th- sort of the thesis here of breath could be a very helpful maneuver for dads and parents who are in it. Um, could you describe what's a baseline of good breathing, good breath? What does it look like? What does it mean? And I loved, I loved what you said this, uh, making a distinction between like therapeutic breathing or sort of, you know, maybe trippy breathing or whatever, whatever that would look like and functional breathing. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm, so let's start with like, what would be, if, if we haven't fucked with things with bad habits, what's, what's it look like and what does it mean for us physiologically? Yeah. So let's just talk about at rest, right? So at rest, we should be breathing through our nose primarily the movement of breath should be happening in our lower abdominal area. So feeling our belly rise and fall with our breath, maybe you start to engage the bottom of your ribs. So our ribs actually kind of like open up like this out to the sides and lift. Um, When we breathe into our chest, it's more of like a a pump handle. So our sternum is actually going like this Hmm. and, and our diaphragm is, is very engaged in the breath. So our diaphragm is our primary breathing muscle it's constantly moving and working Uh, some have more access to it than others and so that would be really kind of at rest what your breath should look like now we're dealing in times of high stress a lot of uh, attention things stealing our attention away and we totally lose track of our breath so more of the dysfunctional habits we see are obviously mouth breathing breathing up into the chest. So the breath is not even happening below the ribs. It's all happening here. So people are breathing, shoulders are coming up. A lot of the accessory musculature in the neck and the chest is, is engaged. And that's keeping you in that heightened state of arousal when, you know, maybe you're at home and you're trying to chill out and it's like, Oh my gosh, I can't, Mm. I can't breathe. And, and that's another thing is a lot of people are over breathing. So that means we're breathing too much which is impacting our carbon dioxide levels and CO2 being probably the most important molecule in our breath, because in order for oxygen to get released into our cells for that energy production, we need a certain level of CO2. So if we're over breathing, we're constantly breathing too much, that CO2 level is really low and we're not actually getting the oxygen that is moving through our cells and in our blood. Uh, it's not actually getting utilized properly. You just so, blew my mind a little bit. I, I have to. I have to pause on that one. So yeah. carbon dioxide has the impact of sort of allowing for unlocking or allowing oxygen to be taken up into our system. That's fucking bizarre and wild. Yeah, yeah. So um, when through the process of diffusion in the the oxygen going from our lungs out into our blood, uh, 
when oxygen attaches to the blood to get delivered around, it has a high affinity. Hemoglobin has a high affinity for oxygen. So oxygen binds to the hemoglobin, gets taken around our bloodstream, going looking for getting into our cells for that energy production. So because it has a high affinity for hemoglobin, it's just going to continue to travel around in order for it to get released. There needs to be a certain level of, of CO2. And so that CO2 uh... causes that oxygen to then get released into the cells, which then is converted into energy. So, wow. Okay. Again, because okay. of that over breathing, we're, we're feeling like, wow, I'm not getting enough oxygen. And, and that's like, you can, you can think about an, a panic attack and whether you've had one or not, you can imagine what it looks like when a person is having a panic attack, right? They're breathing, mm -hmm. ventilating super fast. The breath is up in their chest. And what's that primary complaint? I can't get enough oxygen. I can't yep. get enough air. Yep. And the reality of it is you're breathing in a lot of oxygen. There is a ton, you know, and we're pretty much always between 98 to hundred percent oxygen at all times. It's really the fact that that CO2 level is so low that the oxygen is not getting released. So then, yes, it feels like I can't get enough air, can't get enough oxygen. Gotcha. So it's simply wow. getting and then, you know, think about what's the what's the the like panic switch. It's get the bag, right? Breathe into the bag. What happens yeah. when you start breathing into the bag? You're recirculating CO2. That mm. CO2 level starts to rise. You start getting oxygen in the cells. Body starts to relax. Oh, I had no idea. I had no idea what the function of breathing into a bag ever would be. That makes so much sense. Yeah. That's crazy. I wish I wish somebody would have uh, long range studies of breathing and and oxygen and CO two levels before and after parenting. I just like seeing all these images in my head of like you know the days where. Uh, I mean, let's even just take like the the morning breakfast time. Like if there's three kids and. And you know, <laughs> upset or whatever. I can imagine if I had a something to measure with. with I, I guarantee I could see my breathing shift, and I could, I know the feeling state when I get stressed and like not at my best. But um, I'm sure there's a breath component, right? I'm sure there's a physiological, 100%. yeah, hundred percent. And that's really the work that I've been pushing into now. I've been studying to become a breathing behavior analyst uh, with Dr. Peter Litchfield. And so he's basically doing exactly that. So we are looking at the psychophysiology of our breath. So how our psychology is impacting our physiology and vice versa. And the important factor of, or the important piece that we're utilizing is an instrument called a capno trainer or a capnographer, which is actually measuring real time levels of CO2. So you can actually observe where your CO2 level is and there's, there's a threshold or like a sort of a, a baseline that we want to be at for that optimal sort of, you know, exchange to happen. And, and then through life, we start adapting bad habits, whether that's mouth breathing, but mouth breathing isn't, isn't always bad. Sometimes we can breathe through our mouth and our CO2 levels stay perfectly where it needs to be, but we can look at where the what the habits are. We can actually go back and understand where those habits were developed and then work on restoring some of that dysfunction and create new habits so that your CO2 levels 
can be more flexible and stay at the same level. So one of the distinctions that he makes that I really love is that our body is always striving for homeostasis, right? So our body actually has this ability to self-regulate and through the things that have happened in life, trauma, whatever it may be, our body, it's like the baseline starts to come down a little bit or, or it could go up, but it starts to shift. And, and then that our body's ability to actually self-regulate to bring itself back to that homeostasis gets disrupted. Yeah. So we can use breathing interventions, which are some of the protocols that we talk about all the time to then restore that, those levels of CO2 and oxygen and all of that in the body. But we also, if we're only utilizing the self interventions, we're not addressing the underlying things that are going on. So we can, we can utilize them in real time to restore, but then simultaneously, we also want to be addressing the dysfunctional habits so that that gets corrected. So then we're, we're pretty much breathing in the right space all the time. And we have this flexibility and we also have build awareness because as soon as we start to lower our CO2 levels, there's physiological things that happen in our bodies, whether that's maybe you notice, oh, like I'm feeling a little bit of tightness in my, in my temples, or I feel something else that's, that can be the signal that, oh, wow, my CO2 levels are low. I need to actually allow the breathing reflex to come back to restore, or I implement a self-intervention to restore. So it's like also building awareness in our bodies as to where we're at and, and, and then be able to kind of navigate that. Isn't it wild? Like I, so much of, I guess what I pay attention to and get really interested in is very simply that our bodies know how to do pretty much everything really well. And we're just fucking not there anymore. Right. And we're just like, we're just not there. And you know, the awareness piece is really obviously really a big deal, right. To, to, to be able to have, and I, I've been teaching, you know, somatic awareness and interoception and body-based, you know, awareness for a long time. Now it's a huge part of what I do, but the, you know, I just had a memory there. I remember in my twenties when I started to do some yoga and, and meditate, I remember that when I was invited and asked to, or instructed to breathe into my belly for the first chunk of time, it was completely the opposite of what my body knew knew to do. And I'd be like, okay, in, you know, like inhale belly. I'd be like, that's fucking weird, man. That doesn't make any sense. And uh, you know, decades now roughly coming on decades and it, it obviously makes the most sense. But I think even that part of the diaphragm being your primary breathing muscle, that's not the, I don't know. That's not where my body had been programmed as a, as a yeah. younger person. Right. I'm guessing that's normal. Do you, is, is, do you have a sense? Is that normal? Yeah. I think a lot of the dysfunction that we see is chest breathing and not, not accessing that lower space. And it's like, we're, we, we get trapped, we get trapped up here and we're just, and then that impacts how we feel on everything. It's like, everything feels really big and everything feels really stressful. And, and the interesting thing is our diaphragm doesn't have the same like sensory nerves that our other muscles have. So it's a little bit harder to actually feel that. Uh-huh. And, and also as we exercise, 
And, you know, you think about like doing bicep curls, right? You feel the yeah. burn in your, in your bicep. Well, we don't, we never really feel that in our diaphragm because our diaphragm is so essential to being alive that if, if we started to feel fatigued in our diaphragm, we'd stop breathing, but <laughs> it actually has this incredible ability to start stealing blood from other parts of our body to keep it moving. Wow. And, and so I think that's part of like this interoception piece that, yeah. because we can't feel our diaphragm in the way that we can feel our other muscles that we're totally disconnected from it. So it's like, what are the other connection points, which is feeling our belly? And we should be breathing 360 degrees around, not yeah. just like a lot of people just kind of pop their belly out and that's not actually doing what we need it to do. We need to be engaging the breath all the way around. And so then once you start doing that, everything else starts to strengthen and and you can start breathing into that space and and it's very common that people are like what what do you mean i can't breathe into my belly you know like it's just my breath doesn't go there and and so you got to rebuild it it's like you use it or yeah. lose it same same with our nose our nose over time we stop using it and it gets weak yeah. and so we gotta we gotta focus and and put time and attention and practice into utilizing these things and then they get stronger and then that becomes the new habit for anybody that's wondering, I think I could be wrong about this, but your diaphragm is the same cut as flank steak. So if you buy flank steak, <laughs> flank steak for uh, for fajitas, I think that's roughly what we're talking about. Maybe um, yeah, I don't know. I've never heard that, but that sounds um, about or right. Skirt steak, but yeah, like yeah, butchering animals, you kind of see this stuff in action, right? Um, yeah. Totally non sequitur there. Um, so okay a baseline at rest breathing into the belly through the nose not over breathing right and so i loved what you said so there's tools intervention tools you can get to kind of reset your baseline but then there might be addressing these patterns or habits or dysfunctions whatever and I think it's probably helpful to talk about stress here too, or mm. trauma, trauma, stress, so like, like a spectrum of what that is. And two things that I've always found helpful, but you know, one way people often talk about stress or trauma in these arenas is that, you know, think about being um, surviving in the woods, you know, 10,000 years ago and a saber tooth tiger you know, is attacking you. And obviously your body goes into fight or flight and you know what that, you can think of what that intense uh, thing is. And, and you know, you've probably heard many people say this, but a lot of people today walk around with threats, with the, with the body sensation in threat um, at that level, right? That's one way that people often talk about this, but our mutual colleague, Kimberly Johnson and others, I've heard another definition of trauma, which is, uh, I think really helpful and it's trauma is anything that's too much, too fast, right? Too, too, too much, too fast or some version of that. Yeah. And, uh, and so if nothing else, I think people listening to this podcast is, you know, are, we can learn to, we, the, some of the process and, and this is from my background. So obviously you correct me or add to this, but some of the process here is, simply starting with noticing what your phys what your sensations are what happens to you when you switch into 
uh, a stress response, a survival response, a dysfunctional response, whatever that is. And then, because uh, without that awareness, there's there's not a whole, you know, that's kind of like some of the first step. Um, yeah. I'm curious about a couple of things. I'm curious about what some of the interventions are to sort of reset yourself. Maybe let's start there. What What are some of the things that, that we can do or use to, if we recognize that we're fucked up in different ways, how can we reset? Yeah, so I wanna kind of go back one second and and to the point of um, awareness. And I think that is really one of the key components of breathing and developing a breath practice is that awareness because you start breathing in certain ways, then you can actually feel and understand how your body responds to that. Also knowing that you're doing the breathing, so you're in control of that. So you can actually start titrating a little bit, moving into that stress that you're feeling all the time and, and through the awareness, start to understand what's happening and noticing your breath. And I think the more we practice, the more, our awareness goes to our breath in those moments. And, and then the second it does is then you can start to then implement an intervention. And so one of the things that I think is also important is a lot of times when we're feeling that really heightened state of stress, we're trying to immediately go the opposite direction. So we're trying to go from A to Z without getting to B, C, D, E, F, G all the way down. So it's like meet yourself where you are. So if, if you notice, wow, I'm actually breathing in my chest and I'm breathing really fast and shallow, like start breathing that way, like lean into it and then change the direction, then round the corner, not like trying to take this sharp angle down, round the corner and then start to implement something like, you know, elongating your exhales or whatever. Um, one thing that I think one simple intervention that I like to share is just, it's called the one breath break. And it's like, when you're starting to feel some of that, literally just take a deep breath in through your nose, hold it at the top for about five seconds, then big burst exhale, let it all go out of your mouth, let it drop, pause at the bottom for really as long as you can, but like, you know, say 10, 12 seconds and then take your next breath in through your nose and just see how you feel after that. And that is literally putting the brakes on your nervous system. It's starting to engage some of that chemistry change. So you're getting that nitric oxide as you breathe in through your nose, you hold your breath at the bottom, CO2 starts to rise. Then you take that breath in through your nose. You're getting that nitric oxide again, opening you up and, and that CO2 is then allowing that oxygen to diffuse. So it can I just did it. one. It felt fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really like, crazy can, what one breath can do, man. It really truly one, is. Totally. And you know, you could do that three, four times and, and it's literally like hitting the brakes on your nervous system. And then, you know, I think going back to like the trauma and 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 all of that, it's like, yeah, we need to we need to slow build our way into having some of these bigger therapeutic breathing experiences because a lot of times people they'll just go and they'll do a holotropic session for you know two hours of like deep hyperventilation and and to me that's a little bit irresponsible unless you know the person and unless you know like 
what their history is and what what's going on because you can't necessarily support them in that experience in the way that you need to and you know but over time you start actually working with the breath your system starts to uh, like shift and you start processing the little things and then going into those bigger experiences and then that is an opportunity to complete the loop because that is also as kimberly would say you know the the trauma is like an incomplete cycle or an incomplete loop so something happened that stopped the loop and then we can go back and breathe and complete the loop so i'll share a cool story about samson and i'm sure he won't mind me sharing this but we were um we were doing a, a rebirthing session with with one of our teachers in in OBC. Um, his name's Aaron Overstreet. He was guiding a rebirthing session, and and afterwards, Samson shared that um, some people they get tetany, which is like you start getting this cramping in your hands, and your hands kind of start doing this crazy thing. Um, and he said that he got really bad tetany, and that his arms went up like this out to the side, and then he had this like conscious awareness of when he was a young boy he got he grew up in nigeria got hit by a motorcycle and when he woke up and he came to after getting hit by the motorcycle that was the position that he was in was where wow. he went to in tetany yeah. and he realized that and then it was like the tetany went away and it was like that loop was then was then that's um, wild that's wild so, so that correlates with uh, something maybe I've shared on the podcast before, but generally in, in some of the somatically oriented things, it's name it to tame it and feel it to heal it. Right. So, mm. so if, from, from a breath perspective, it would be um, from a functional place. Can you be aware and noticing your breath and kind of in line with it? And then, but there's also this heightened healing capacity that if you can stay breathing, if you can stay with, so, you know, memories or incompleted experiences before then there truly is, is, you know, transformative power in these things, which is, which is fucking wild and, and, and amazing. Right. And I do think that, you know, for dads, um, I think there's a role for that, right. There's a role for deeper therapy. There's a role for, for the bigger healing. And I actually think we, uh, generally speaking, it's a big part of parenting these days. It seems to be right. Like, I think a lot of dads are really hot on the trail of not passing on a bunch of unintegrated <laughs> shit right so yeah. so whether that's deeper breath work or you know whatever modality one chooses to go into there but i do think that uh that's great and i'm a for all of that but i do think that there's a um maybe even a richer or like maybe what you said earlier like a primary thing of of just like can we hang with like can we stay functional you know, can, can we, cause I think there's this thought that maybe if we have these big healing things, then in the normal norms of life, we're good. Then there might be some truth to that. I think, you know, you go have a big healing thing and you might feel like some weight got taken out of your backpack and you just general feel easier. Um, but I do, my perspective is there's still a lot, a lot of basic training, like how to communicate, how to have your emotions, how to breathe, how to keep your body moving, and you know, all, all of these things. Um, and I'm going to geek out about one thing that I hadn't ever thought about before, before we get back here, which is, isn't it fucking crazy that, you know, like you said, we're breathing, you said about 600 million to a billion times in your life, right? Like, it's just like, it doesn't stop, right? It stops, we die. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, 
And we ne- like to, to be so disassociated from that process. Like, I just, I just think about like, think about the first human who forgot about breath, you know, or, and, and maybe it's designed that way. You know, maybe we're designed to not, you know, we don't have to think about it. that's part of the thing, but to be yeah. so far away from it, it's like, this it's like there's another it's like there's this animal here doing the same thing and and we don't even recognize that it's more us than you know like if that's not us i don't know what the fuck is basically yeah is what I'm 100%. To so absolutely anyway. yeah i uh, say that all the time it's like god it's something that we're doing that many times and we have no awareness or no yeah. education or no attention towards it we're totally missing the boat yeah all right so back to dads awareness is a big first step starting to pay attention some tools like the the one breath break that seems great i actually think i could see a lot of places to apply that right like, yeah like so as many. a dad like all the fucking time are there any other i don't know quickies or, or specifics that you think i mean think of a day of parenting right from morning to night and after I don't know, like things to slow down and go to sleep or things to, you know, what a big one is Reese is, is a lot of men have a, a, they have trouble transitioning from work to home, right. To like go from work mindset to family mindset. Um, That's one. And then one, the guys who have a hard time slowing down to go to sleep are two ideas that come to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think that transition is, is, definitely something that we don't take time for either that was uh, i forget where that kind of really came into some curriculum that i was a part of and it's like we need a certain amount of time to transition from one thing to the next and particularly going from work to home um so you know it could even be as you're driving home and that's part of the transition time and and really just putting attention on that exhale and so, you know, maybe there's five to 10 breaths that you're kind of like really moving the breath to kind of get some of that energy that's in there, like activated a little bit, and then just start slowing the exhale down, dropping it down into your belly, really start just elongating it. And you'll notice your system just starts to settle. You can kind of move some of that energy out. You get home. It's like, wow, okay, I'm like, I'm ready. I'm here. I'm present. I'm relaxed. I'm not bringing that shit with me. Um, and that can be a simple, simple one to just do as you're driving home. I'm obviously being very cognizant of like how hard you're breathing, particularly in that beginning part as you're driving, you don't want to like do anything crazy, but you know, just some, and then just start slowing it down. And then the inhale gets a little bit lighter, exhale gets a little bit longer. Um, similarly for, for sleep, um, you know, Andrew, Andrew Wheel, he has the 478. That's like a pretty well-known um, breathing protocol for, for falling asleep. Inhale for four, hold at the top for seven, exhale out for eight. Um, I know a lot of people really have success with that. It could even also just be like adding two seconds to your exhale, get up to 10 or 12 seconds on your exhale. And you'll just notice everything kind of starts to relax. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, just kind of always remind people like meet yourself where you are. 
if you notice you're going to sleep and that mind is super chattery and you're breathing fast, like breathe into that for a little bit and then change it because yeah. it can be frustrating. Like we want, we want to feel a certain way and we're trying to go right there and it doesn't happen immediately. And then we get mm. stuck in the loop of like, ah, oh, this isn't working. This is bullshit, you know, whatever, but we're not actually like going through the steps to, to get there. We're just trying to go straight there. So, yeah. And just to name it, I guess to name something. And then I, uh, another question came up there, but I mean, I think about what men often use to make transitions that are not breath. Right. I mean, you know, pot or cannabis, you know, definitely puts people to sleep, right. You know, booze or alcohol, or I don't know, porn. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying all these are the worst thing in the world. I'm not coming from a moralistic place here, but there's a lot of habits that become ingrained to, to that are using, I think probably a lot of the same, same function of like shifting our nervous system or shifting our state towards totally. something. And probably, you know, everybody you figured out on your own, but um, man, breath is pretty fucking healthy and pretty accessible yeah. and fast, you know? And um, I guess it maybe doesn't have that uh, the joy of addiction, <laughs> you know, addiction yeah. along with it, but totally. Um, the, the, okay. So the other question was on the other, on the flip side, I'm imagining being dead, tired, bone tired, needing to get up with one of my kids in the middle of the night. And I just cannot wake up. Like, is there, so I would imagine it'd be faster breathing. It would be, you know, more inhale or something like that. How do you, how do you get a shot of Red Bull from the breath? One of my favorites is actually um, to stand up and start bouncing and then notice how your breath starts to come online. And then you can just, it's almost like Kabbalabati, okay. yeah. um, but you're actually moving your body. And so just starting to bounce and get some energy moving. Um, I love that, you know, just keeping your toes on the ground, let your heels hit the ground. And then you can, you can increase the bounce a little bit. For me, that gets me going real quick, like a minute of that. And I'm like, all right, ready to go, you know, and, and it's cool. fun and you can make sound and, you know, yep. you need to kind of like get some, get some shit going. Uh, that one, that one never fails for me and, and gets cool. that kind of little booster. Um, but, you know, simply, like you said, just starting to accelerate the breath a little bit um, can be, can be a simple tool as well. That's really helpful. All right. How about your kids, man? What, do you, have you integrated breath with your kids? And if so, would love a, a little, just a, I don't know, give us, give us a few minutes on, on how and when and what's appropriate to, to integrate this stuff with our kids. I, I do a lot. My wife and I do a lot. Um, one of the stories we have is our middle son, Jude, um, uh, had, has, let's just say has had the tendency for some fairly substantial, blowups and tantrums throughout his life. And, um, you know, he's, he's mostly grown out of it. Uh, but it's been amazing to use little sort of breath and somatic tools with him in that to help him begin, even in the midst of like a, literally a toddler freak out. Like, um, I think we've always been careful not to try to force this on him, but, but there's been times where, uh, you know, taking a big breath together, doing a little box or something has, has really helped, but, yeah. Where, where do you start with kids in, in relation to all, all this, man? Well, my kids have not, they've been pretty resistant to it because I think it's just like all that's talked about in my world. And so it's been a lot more challenging with them. Um, 
But the one thing that I, I think has been the most effective for me personally is actually when they're ready to be touched and held, like I'll hold them and then I'll just start breathing and their breath just starts to go in line with my breath. And so without even having to say anything, it's like the felt sense of my belly and, and chest and everything moving, they start to then fall in line and, and maybe I'll give them a cue like, hey, just breathe with me and not not even trying to do anything like instructional, more just like yeah. that felt sense. Um, I think the other key too is like practicing when it's not in times of dire, you know, extreme need uh is is going to be the most beneficial and effective but um yeah i wish i could say that my kids were were more in tune with it i think my oldest now she's getting more into like gymnastics and athletics and and so she's been asking a little bit more about it um so i just kind of been waiting for them like lead by mm -hmm. example and 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 then you know just hoping that they come to me my little one she's a little bit more receptive to it like i do that holding her all the time and and she clicks into it pretty quickly now um but what well, is yeah. there there's got to be some science or physiology behind the because we you do sync up breath patterns with with family members is there what, what's that all about yeah i think it's potentially just part of that social nervous system, that self-regulation, you know, and how we just kind of like sync up. And I love when I do breathes in groups and, and everyone's breath syncs up and it's like, it, that's kind of normally the pocket where that people fall into that. It's just like, everything s starts to open up from there. Um, and a lot of times, like I play music when I do like longer breathes and I'll turn the music off in that moment. And then it's like this symphony of breath that's happening and it takes you into a really cool place. Um, so yeah, I don't know any more than, than what I just shared as far as the science of how it syncs up, but you know, I think there's, there's definitely something to it. It's fucking cool. It's really yeah. cool from my perspective. Um, and how about, do you, is there any safety precautions? I mean, should kids be doing Wim Hof breath? Should they, do you have any sense? Is there any, anything to think about for parents? Like what's appropriate or not appropriate? It's just breathing, right? I mean. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the, the main precautions are um, anyone who has heart conditions, obviously you always want to do it somewhere safe. Um, either lying down or seated, um, you know, any like sort of neurological epilepsy, any, anything like that. Don't want to, don't want to engage in some of these heavier practices. Um, but I think again, just going back to that minimum effective dose, I don't know that kids necessarily need to like do these big Wim Hof sessions cause yeah. they're not trying or like, you know, they're not trying to, they're not processing deep trauma like we have hopefully not um and and if there are there's you know probably some more like easing them into it things that we can do but yeah I, I wouldn't necessarily be doing any sort of like big deep breathing I've had yeah. kids come to my classes and stuff and I just watch them and like they find their own way they don't they they don't really engage in like this big powerful breath it's like most of the time it just becomes very fluid and and they just they just are connected to it um 
it's it's pretty cool actually um i ash like ash's daughter she's come and and she's like oh man i wish i had the quote of what she said but you know basically she was like i i turned into the wind wow um, and yeah. and so they they just kind of like find their way and uh i would just more focus on some of those more mechanical things to make sure that they're yeah. maintaining the the you know the proper function rather than trying to like blast them off the outer space i would never really suggest doing that necessarily yeah. with a little one yeah totally oh man such good stuff so okay let's uh, we may have said it all already I mean, obviously, <laughs> we, well, obviously we haven't said it all but reese if you had you know, a minute or two minutes to speak directly to fathers and, you know, some of them may be killing it and on easy street and relaxed, but uh, most of them seem to be, at least the ones tuning in here are, you know, full are very full in life and are, are really um, either getting their asses kicked or, you know, don't want to admit it. So from your perspective, both as a dad, it this doesn't have to just be professional, just in general. Um, what would you want them to know? What's worked for you? What's been helpful? Uh, what's a what's a sort of uh, PSA for dads? Yeah, I mean, I know we were talking about it before, but it's like it does start with us. And for whatever reason, I think our world makes it really hard for us to put our attention on ourselves first and foremost. And so the more that you can put the time in even if it's one minute or five minutes just to like start becoming more aware of yourself in particular your connection to your breath and what your breath is doing that's gonna just open the pathway to be able to go to where you want to go and so literally it's like in those moments where you're feeling really good tune in and observe your breath. That's like, like I was saying before, we got to start when we're feeling good mm -hmm. because when we're feeling shitty, everything else is going haywire and that stress response is just all over the place. So let's start training ourselves when we're feeling good. And that could just be like simply when you wake up in the morning and you first open your eyes, just tune into your breath and just actually bring some awareness to where it's moving, how it, how it feels, all those sensations like i like to just put my attention on the rim of my nose and just feeling the air going into my nostrils and then noticing where it sort of disappears from my ability to track it and then i start to bring my attention down into my body feeling my belly rise feeling my ribs move and and so when we start practicing it like that then when we are uh you know in red alert maybe there's an opportunity or that sort of starts to become ingrained that we tune back in oh wow i'm breathing out of control and then there's the opportunity so um you know it's it's just little bits at a time start to add up we don't need to like do it all at once like you said like yeah sometimes those big you know experiences like open the door and that's the way it was for me it definitely like opened the door for me to be like what's in this rabbit hole and where do i go from here yeah. but that doesn't always happen for everyone. And, and, you know, it's just like anything else, like a diet or something like it's a, it, it becomes a lifestyle. It's like, we have to like build it into who we are. And that's the, really the hardest part. 
And, and once you start adding it in and, you know, it's just like a minute at a time, you know, as you're going through your day, just those quick check-ins, then it just becomes second nature. Um, so, you know, being a parent is, is definitely has its challenges. And, and I think so much of what we're trying to do is to show up for our kids in a way that we hoped our parents showed up for us in that way. And, and it does start with us and as <laughs> cliche and also maybe as shitty as that sounds, it's like, we, we gotta, we gotta step up and do the work so that our kids are going to have a great example to see and, and hopefully, you know, be better than we were or than we are. And, um, you know, I think our kids are, are the greatest mirrors of ourselves. Like all of our shit is they show us that exactly and and the good things as well and so you know also just watching our kids and and seeing how they're what the tendencies are that connect to us and then that's maybe the trailhead where where, where we start to work a little bit more on um i know that's been it for me for sure yeah that's beautiful really helpful yeah i i feel like the thesis i'm i feel more strongly affirmative of it even before since since the beginning of this conversation i really do have a sense that uh breath could be a real opening for for dads right you know as you're saying that i realize that um one thing i hear a lot is that you know before kids maybe a dude had a breath practice or had a you know fitness practice or all of these things and then and then we get thrown in the in the tumble dry for a while with with everything and and then the reclaiming and refinding and you know reintegrating of of healthy practices really i like how you said it, it really is our responsibility you know like it's it's fully our responsibility what a fucking gift to model deep like like i mean this like in a profound way what a gift to model deep breath uh for your children right like fuck because uh, it's so it, one of the messages like I really am hot on sharing lately is just to recognize the impulsiveness most adults have when stress <laughs> comes up and the impulsiveness is to fix it through some figuring out mental modeling, make it different panic. Right. But with, with the full uh, general disconnection from the, from the body's response to that thing. Right. And so I just, you know, from my own experience and, and, and life that, uh, I, yeah, I really feel it. I think there could be, um, I'll probably follow up with you after this as, as I build stuff for dads, I think some integration of some basic breath principles, I kind of feel like they have to be in there, honestly, yeah. at this point. So, yeah. Yeah, man, I, I, I appreciate, you know, all that you're bringing to fathers and I wish I had this podcast before becoming a father so I could know a little bit of what's coming and how to prepare myself. And, um, I think, you know, we, we, t like you said, we tend to think it has to be really big mm -hmm. and, and we have to kind of fix it all right now. And, and it's a process and it's never ending. And so it's like, you gotta really appreciate the process and the journey as, you know, cliche as that sounds, it's like, we, we just have to start building it in. And, and that is the most challenging part is like, yeah, if you had a practice before and then you have kids and it all goes away, it's like getting back into that rhythm. But 
knowing that like each and every time you do it really like feeling better and the feeling better is the catalyst to keep going and and i know that that's been the message for me even when i do fall off my practice whether it's my breath practice or using my ice bath or or my sauna it's like or even exercise i've been really actually getting into resistance training for the first time in my whole life never gone to the gym never lifted weights and it's like when i'm doing it and i'm in the pocket of of really being uh um consistent i feel so much better and then i fall out of practice and then i'm like oh like get frustrated (laughs) and and then i come back and it's like oh yeah that's why i do this did you ever reclaim your surfing did did, do you surf still or did that not i come back i do but it's definitely not uh as high on the priority list as it was pre-kids um i i I've been trying to do other things with my body as well. Um, and I think, yeah, there's other things that have kind of taken me away from surfing. Um, yeah. Just the amount of people in the water now and trying to find a place where I can go and not worry. I tend to go to like the the places where no one goes and the waves are kind of shitty yeah. <laughs> just because I, I'm trying to like disconnect from all the stimulus. Um, yeah. But yeah it's it's also been a practice of like going surfing and like disconnecting from all the things and just like yeah it'll be there when i get back and and that was a big thing for me was i would go surfing and i wasn't even enjoying it because i was thinking about everything that i should be doing and yeah. and so i had to kind of like re- retrain that to like oh yeah okay i i can enjoy this i'm allowed to enjoy this i actually love this it's fun it's saved my life in many ways and and so just trying to kind of bring it back yeah. to that. So when I do get to surf it, it's definitely more um, enjoyable and and I appreciate it so much more. I don't take it for granted like I once did. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, definitely not getting those like morning and evening sessions anymore. But yeah. Uh, yeah. if I get my if I get my hour in and my three or four waves, I'm, I'm pretty that's a pretty good day for me. So yeah. it'll always be a part of my life. I definitely it's like what a gift. It's such a gift. So. All right, man. Well, here's to, um, here's to a vision of, of dads breathing through their nose and their belly. (laughs) And uh, and, yeah, modeling on the simplest wavelength for their children, you know, what it is to be human. Thank you. Thank you for everything. here. this is wonderful. And thank um, you. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. Likewise. Thank you, everybody, for sticking around, and thank you to Reese for this fantastic conversation. Uh, if you're listening and you're a dad, go give your kids some love and and maybe do a little breath work uh, with them and without them. Um, please send in your feedback or your thoughts. I'd love to be in connection and communication. Um, sign up for my newsletter at dandoty.com. I send out a newsletter every Tuesday and uh, love doing it, put a lot of time and attention into it. And if you'd like to know more about what's going on here, um, you can sign up there. All right, everybody, take care.